the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast, presented by BetMGM. The three men weave are back for a special edition BBOC episode, the Conference Tournament Preview Show. Going to talk about a handful of leaks today kicking off Wednesday and a couple on Thursday as well as the uh, meaningless regular season comes to a halt and we dive into the do-or-die season that is conference tournament season, especially for many of these mid-low major leagues, one big leagues. Uh, every game means the world. So we're going to hop into a ton of betting angles. We'll talk format, schedule, bracket, betting angles for opening round spots. At least we know the matchups. And then I think most importantly, where the value is in the futures market. And is that the best place to place your value? Or is it better off for you to put money lines on each team that you like and roll them forward? All that and more ahead. Kai, Jim, let's get right into the action here. Big South. Bojangles Coliseum, everyone's favorite venue, uh, the newly minted host of the Big South Conference Tournament. The story here is UNC Asheville as the clear-cut favorite. They really waltzed uh, for the regular season. Four-game lead on the second, third-place finishers, Longland Radford there. Uh, Kai, we have odds scattered across the board here on a multitude of, of places. Market looks like it has UNC Asheville as a 3-1 to one favorite to win this um Radford at five to one but how about Longwood at two and a half to one despite being the slightly lower seed at two 12 and six versus Asheville 16 and two in the conference uh we'll talk about some of the lower uh seeded dogs here but any value here on the uh on these favorites in the big south yeah I, I think you look to bet Longwood or Asheville if you absolutely have to in the big south um I think they kind of proved to be the class of the league I wouldn't bet on Radford the third third shortest odds because of their whole coaching situation um Nichols their their coach recently got a DUI it's uncertain if he's going to be back on the sidelines a team I'm looking at as far as long shots go is USC Upstate 16 to 1 in the market they've beaten every single uh, team seated above them they've beaten Nashville they beat Longwood they beat Radford. They beat Gardner Webb, a team they're playing in the opening round. Uh, I, if you're looking for a long shot, that's the direction I would go. But ultimately, I think it's going to come down to Asheville or Longwood. Neutral floor certainly helps, though, Jim, for long shots. Yeah, Kai, I just want to follow up on the Radford point. They lost five of seven down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And part of that was before Nichols got suspended. But I think the the snowball just kept going without him. So it, it is... I don't want to eliminate them, but like when I'm looking at future shots, I'm basically kind of taking them out and saying, all right, if I assume the three seeds not going to win, where can I find value there? That may be a part of why Longwood has a little bit of value. Or, mm-hmm. Sorry, why they're favored over Asheville. I'm not right. going to bet Longwood, uh, but why they have got that favorite uh, standing. The interesting part with the upstate point you make, Kai, is that they're already in the quarterfinals. That's not a team that, you know, at 16 to 1, they don't have to win four games. Mm-hmm. They've just got to beat, like you said, three teams that they've beaten before. Gardner Webb likely go to Asheville after that, uh, or play Asheville at, at Bojangles and Charlotte. And then who, who do you meet in the title? Hard to say. I wanted to like Gardner Webb here because I just, that's a team I've kind of been in on all season, but at plus 550, having to go through the one seat on that side of the bracket, I don't love the number. 
there isn't anything, Matt, that I'm actually going to bet from a futures perspective from from the menu we're kind of looking at here. Just to add real quick, Matt, it's funny that Gardner Webb is five to one or plus five fifty, and Upstate is six is sixteen hundred sixteen to one. Upstate just beat Gardner Webb. Upstate seven and one or six and one last seven games. I think that the pricing is a little bit mismatched. Yeah, there. I agree with that. Although in that particular matchup, I like betting Gardner Webb because of that kind of uh, immediate revenge angle. Um, but still, yeah, like a macro, if you're betting a future from a macro pricing, I'm with you. I think it's a little bit of a, a mispriced. Yeah, G-Web just you... lost four straight to end the year. Like, it's not like, like that's right. a team trending up, whereas, like I said, Upstate, six of the last seven they've won. Mm-hmm. That's why I kind of like just laying the favorite here at three to one with Asheville. Um, last year, they lost not the opening. Favorite. Not Sorry, the not favorite. Favorite. the one seed, excuse me, not the favorite, uh, but who I think should be the favorite. Because of the draw, they lost first round last season to Charleston Southern. Um, Drew Pember, I can assure you, remembers that fondly. Um, and lo and behold, they could face uh, Chuck South, as we called them in a rematch, if they get by High Point, who is also dangerous under the fighting Tubby Smith Jr., as I call him, um, who have been G. kind G. of a disaster. G.G. Smith. <laughs> uh, but man, they've just been so bad. I, I think Asheville gets to the championship game. Then who they see on the bottom is anyone's guess. Um, of note, too, all these semis and finals are early, early tips. I tend to think that favors the dogs. Um, so I think you see some potentially kind of weird results, uglier games, especially at the neutral site, weird place, unfamiliar location at uh, at Bojangles Coliseum. Um, any other final thoughts here on Big South? Uh, first round matchups you guys were looking at, maybe looking to back favorite dog. Uh, well, Jangles isn't as big as I wanted. It's not like a cavernous 15,000 person yeah, arena, right. which would definitely get me leaning towards unders. Uh, there's been some teams that I've really perceived as unders and you, you get an opening matchup with Campbell and Presbyterian, two teams that grind mm-hmm. in half court. And I think I've been yelled at for betting Campbell unders and our, our other best bet show because they've had a few shootouts recently, but I do think that one is going to be slow and ugly in the first round opening round. That's on Wednesday, March 1st, as you are listening to this. Yeah, I think Presbyterian have a has it. Sorry, go ahead, Kai. Sorry, I'll just add one more note after you after you finish your point, Matt, because you're gonna respond to Jim. Yeah, I have a great point too, Kai. So let me have it here. Uh the blue host, Jim, Presbo, sitting at the 10 spot. I can't believe how bad they've been. I do think they're kind of an interesting super long Hail Mary shot to maybe win a game. Not two, but maybe two. They've lost 17 in a row. <laughs> like the roster is not all that different from last year when they were far more competitive, not way more, but they're just better, right? Like there's guys in that team where you could see maybe them having a uh, kind of an out of nowhere resurgence. You know, this, I thought team would be more to the middle of the pack, middle to bottom preseason. They really just bottomed out completely uh, in a low scoring this? game. And you thinking of, yeah, go ahead. Ray Sean Harrison has been like the third best player in the whack. He's gone from that team that was actually competent last year. And then Winston Hill's been hurt. Like there are signs of life this year, if they showed any, or while Hill was healthy, I think, and he hasn't played in any of the 17 straight that they've lost. It's, I think the team's just kind of bad, rolled over. White flag. Yeah, I don't get why Reddish has been so bad. I feel like he was always one of their top three last year, kind of folded. Uh, You're right, without those other big two. Um, All right, fair points. Fine, fine. I can see. (laughs) Jumping in now. Yeah, Kyle, go ahead. I'm just saying uh, this This applies to every bracket we talk about. If you're going to bet a future here, don't bet the teams that have the longer path to the championship. So in this league, it's High Point, Chuck South, Campbell, and Presbyterian have to play an extra game. Very rare do we see teams like that win conference tournaments. We'll talk about that later with the Missouri Valley. Just be wary of that. If you're going to take a long shot, take a long shot like Upstate that already, like Jim said, is in the quarterfinals. Yep, hard agree. Um, yeah, I think people sometimes bet these without even looking at the pads. So that yep. obviously is very noteworthy. 
Let's pivot to the NEC. The uh, the worst conference in college basketball? Is that where we're at? Um, if we want to call the independence a conference. But, uh, it's even either the, this uh, one or the one we're talking about Or next, the one we're talking so. about next, yeah. Um, all right, well, the NEC it is. The worst league in America, but for my money, eight teams are in this conference tournament here. Uh, Merrimack, despite a really dreadful non-conference. I guess every team in this league had a bad non-conference because they're just so bad. They want to win in the dang thing again. Uh, Joe Gallo, two titles in his uh, early tenure moving up from D3 to, sorry, D2 to D1 there at Merrimack College. They're playing LIU first round. Uh, Merrimack is basically even money to win this thing, depending on where you look in the market. Uh, the number two seed, Bradley Dickinson, opposite bracket. They are 2.5 to 3 to 1, depending on where you look in the market. They're playing St. Francis, Brooklyn first round. And then there's a, you know, kind of a, a mixed bag of who knows what you're going to get with the rest of this field. Kai, do you have any profound takes in what seems like the most who the heck knows bracket of any of them? I think that's why you look for a, a longer a shot in yeah, this league right. because it is such a parody ridden league. Every team is pretty much the same except for LIU. Um, Merrimack being a heavy, heavy favorite just doesn't sit right with me. I understand they they played well in, in conference, but the best team in Kempom is Wagner as the five seed. And they are as high as 12 to one out in the market. You can find them at 12 to one. That is a lot of value for a team that's beaten Merrimack at Merrimack. And while this conference is at the higher seeds home place. We've said it before, the NAC home court, it's not much. It doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, so I think there's value here on longer shots. Personally, for me, Jim, Fairleigh Dickinson is where I'm going to look. Um, I think they can be the best team in this league, best offensive team for sure. And I've seen them higher than three to one out in the market. So that's probably where I'm leaning. A longer shot would be Wagner. Yeah, I think Wagner's the right bet in terms of value because they're the same round as everybody else are in the quarterfinals. If they win, they will likely have to go to Merrimack, but they've already won there. So uh, there's yep. a chance that that team is is potentially worthy of making a run. FDU has the best guards in the league, for sure. And that's if people gravitate towards that in the postseason, you could look at them. I'm going to be the vanilla boy here and pick Merrimack. I just think they're playing way better down the stretch. They've got two freshmen on the, the league's all-freshman team that I think have evolved into better versions of themselves late that's uh, Jordan Durkak and Javon Bennett, their backcourt. And then since Miner has been truly comfortable in the paint, their best player, they've been thoroughly dominant. Uh, they closed the year winning eight in a row. Pretty much none of them close. Like margins are 21, 16, 12, 8, 7, 13. And then they're a little bit closer. But I, I do think that Merrimack has actually proven to be the best team, despite not being rated as highly in Ken Palm as Wagner, because the opening stretch of the non-con, they were getting slaughtered by teams yeah. without Miner. So I, I I think it's actually decently priced. If you want to take a swing, it would be Wagner. Plus, they are basically even with Wagner in Kempom. It's three fifteen and three sixteen. Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Merrimack would be yeah probably exactly a three point two half point favorite at home uh, if they face off in the second round, which they would if they both won. And uh, yeah, Wagner's already won there. They've already won at Fairleigh Dickinson, the number two seed in the bottom. I'm with Kai. I think Wagner's the right play at eight to one. Um, even though Here's I agree with Jim one. that Merrimack is the best team right now, the way they're playing. Yeah, so since the start of February per Bart Torvik, Merrimack, 173rd nationally, like actually kind of decent. Second best team, Stonehill, not even playing in the event because it's their first year transitioning. Yeah. Uh, and then Wagner's 306th nationally since start of February. So like a very clear divide on who the best team has been. And again, I think it's because of the young guys have started to develop, but I, I wouldn't fault anybody for taking that Wagner price instead of Merrimack's basically even money. 
Uh, any intrigue in the uh, any specific first round matchups? Haven't really talked about it. St. Francis, the Red Flash Kai versus the other Blue Devils of Central Connecticut, uh, or FDU versus St. Francis Brooklyn. I kind of like both dogs actually. They're on the road. No, fairly Dickinson. I think it's going to roll Brooklyn over. Um, I, I really think they're going to make a run in this tournament. I have not been able to figure out uh, Central Connecticut for the life of me. St. Francis is a weird team too. The 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 Pennsylvania one because. Um, they've had so many guys in and out of the lineup this season. Um, a hard team to trust. However, they probably have the best home court advantage of any NEC team if you're going to go for that angle. And they are playing at home in the first round. Yeah, best home court advantage and I think best player. Josh Cohen, 6'10", mm-hmm. total dominant big. He's had a couple of uh, relatively big games against a small Central Connecticut front court. Last time he played 22-7. and seven. It's kind of his his MO there. Maybe not a huge edge, but um, definitely agree with Kai that Loretto in Western Pennsylvania is the, is the best home court in the league with very little travel. Yeah, and seconds prime Merrimack. So kind of back to Jim's point there, um, and they basically secure home court throughout the entire bracket if they advance all the way through. That's all we have for NEC. I mean, final thoughts. Um, again, sort of a crapshoot type league. If but but Merrimack is playing like a uh, a team that's a cut above, even though the overall you know analytic numbers don't necessarily bear that out. All right, let's go to the OVC. This one for a low major. It's odd to see low majors held um, exclusively at uh, at a neutral site for every game, but that's what we have here with the OVC at the Ford Center, Kai, in beautiful, beautiful Evansville, Indiana. Wild bracket here, very much like the WCC, which we will get to um, in our Thursday section. Again, all of these leagues we're talking about right now, Big South, NEC, OVC, tipping off on Wednesday. But the OVC setting up their bracket like the WCC, heavily stacking the deck in favor of the higher seeds, which I personally love. I think that's a, you know, it pays proper homage to the regular season results. Mm-hmm. Um, league's been a disaster. But when you're talking about backing any team outside of the top four seeds, it's a tall order. Moorhead, Tennessee Tech are the top two seeds. They get auto buys to the semis. Tennessee State, UT Martin are the four and three seed, respectively. They'll start in the quarters, and they await the winner of the play-in game first round. That's five-seed SEMO versus Lindenwood at the top of the bracket, and then number six-seeded SIUE versus number seven, Southern Indiana at the bottom. I cannot believe SIUE fell to a six-seed. That's my opening <laughs> thought on this bracket and just the way this thing shakes out, Kai. But I don't know how you back a team that's got to win one, two, three, four games to march all the way to the title in four consecutive days. Yeah, the uh, the three seed and the seven seed in this bracket were separated by one game in conference play, so it's basically a big jumble. Um, but yeah, you look at those first four teams, Timo Linwood, SIUB, Southern Indiana, they have to win four games in four days to win the title. Moorhead State and Tennessee Tech have to win two. So in my opinion, if you're looking for a future in this league, you just focus on Moorhead and Tennessee Tech. Those are the two teams that have bias to the semis. Moorhead, in my opinion, is by far the best team in this league. I think they will end up winning it. But there's value on Tennessee Tech, maybe at, at plus 350, plus 360, because they can shoot. They're the uh, arguably the best shooting team in this conference. And over a two-game sample size, a lot of variance can happen. They could get scorching hot and win both games. If you want a little, little bit of a longer shot, Jim, for me, it's Tennessee Martin. They probably have the most potential, most raw talent on their, on the roster, certainly in the backcourt. Yeah, you could definitely make a case. They have the best backcourt in the league. Parker Stewart started at Indiana for almost all of last year. KJ Simon has been a very productive player in this league for several years now. And then Jordan Sears is a transfer from Gardner Webb. We just talked big South and he's given them a pretty steadying influence at point guard this year as well. So if you want to ride with the backcourts, like we said, fairly Dickinson, the NEC, I think it'd be UT Martin here. 
But Moorhead State's really elevated themselves into a class of their own as well. They've won 11 of their last 12 since February 1st. They're 118th at Bartorvik. Like They are nearly a top 100 team. That's how good they've been. I think there's a long feeling out process. They changed over basically everybody in the lineup. Whole new uh, cast of characters and, and took Preston Spr- Spradlin's credit, the coach. Uh, he lost Jani Broom to Auburn and has the team has just kept rolling in this league. So really, really impressive stuff. Stylistically, also, Moorhead, the only team that slows the game down. Every other team likes to run. I think that probably helps in a postseason setting that Moorhead is the most comfortable in a half-court game when possessions play up. But they're priced very, very heavily as the favorite, so I don't think there's a ton of value on Moorhead State. Yeah, I don't either, although I look at, you know, just put Merrimack and Moorhead next to each other, kind of harken back to our NAC discussion. You're getting a better price with Moorhead um, who has to, only has to win one last game. Now I know that there's other yeah. factors here. I'm just kind of slicing it through that lens, but I, I kind of like Moorhead, and I think it's just more of an indictment on the rest of the league. The only teams I like in this league are playing, um, are in that kind of play-in round, right, with SIUE and uh, SEMA, who I think starting to improve after they've gotten healthier later in the season. It's unfortunate that I think we're seeing the you know two of the more intriguing teams with the deck stacked against them. I was just looking at the bracket history here since uh, 2018. First year was held at Ford Center. It's basically been a Murray State, Belmont, Moorhead, um, you know, musical chair. So it's the first year, like an actual, I mean, I know Moorhead's the, the favorite, but they're not as good as they were with Jonai Broom. And the field feels much more open for the first time in a while. Still, the way the bracket's set up, I think, makes this for a, a pretty clear uh, slant toward the favorites. Um, I guess if you have to get involved, I'd maybe take Moorhead and maybe, maybe a flyer on SIUE, but. Um, I don't have any data in front of me that shows um, winning four games in four days as being a, a likely proposition. Yeah, that could perhaps be a situation where money lines it might might work out. The problem right. is that SAUE is second in the league in Ken Palm, so the odds are not going to be exactly. totally not- in your favor on those money lines. Like they're second, they're going to be favored uh, probably by a couple points in the first game. They're definitely going to be favored in their second round game against Tennessee State. So perhaps not as strong there, but eleven to one. When they have to win four in four days, I can't quite get on board, Kai. Yeah. And can I like say one more thing here? There's their first round matchup, Matt. They play Southern Indiana. You know that's located? Evansville. That's located oh, yeah. in Evansville. That's right. So there's there's gonna be Screaming Eagles fans there. It could be it's not a home home game, but it's in their city. I, yeah. I think Southern Indiana might win that first game. Yeah. SIUE really shot themselves in the foot. We thought they were gonna be a little bit of a juggernaut after they beat SLU in the non-com, <clears> but a uh, pretty non-graceful fall there all right Matt, that concludes I, I like yeah, Jim, go. i like simo in that first round uh they they beat yeah, first round by, they beat lindenwood by yeah. 23 the first time they played them uh, and the second time they lost on the road in double overtime crazy 92 possession game i think you get a stronger effort out of simo lindenwood had to make a buzzer beater just to make this tournament it, it, that's what it took like their final game of the year i think simo who will probably be a you know five-ish point favorite is is still a decent bet there against lindenwood I agree. Off that emotional uh, entry into tournament first season. Yeah. And Seamus just more talented. And you could argue it actually but undervalued because again, they had some injuries earlier in the year. Uh, but man, total crap shoots here. A lot of teams I just don't trust. So not going to bet them um, here in this crap shoot of the field. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
College basketball season is in full swing, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility agreements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. This excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Let's pivot to Thursday. Uh, stronger leagues kicking off on Thursday. Arch Madness, the Missouri Valley Conference, and of course the West Coast Conference Tournament, the Gonzaga St. Mary's duel. Uh, that should be. We'll get to that in a sec. That should be a fun one if those two teams end up slotting against each other. But first, Kai, we're going to St. Louis, St. Louis, where the Arch Madness is hosted on an annual basis. League's always good, and despite losing some key pieces this year, uh, with with. Uh, Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Um, the league's still awesome. And when you have two teams playing as well as Drake and Bradley are at the top of the bracket, uh, it seems like the, those two are on a collision course for the automatic bid. Uh, Drake sitting at plus uh, 155. So about one, one and a half to one Bradley at two to one. And then the next closest is Indiana state there at five and a half, six to one, or sorry, six and a half, seven to one uh, Southern Illinois, seven and a half, eight to one. Uh, Belmont at eight and a half, nine to one. And then there's a drop off from there. Jim, going to you first. Uh, what jumps out of you from a just broader future perspective? Any of these teams with, with good value and a good path? Well, you've got Drake as the two seed that's favored. Uh, not not the first time we've seen that in uh, our little tournament reviews here. I kind of think it's justified, though. Bradley has been a total wagon at home. But away from home, they have not been the same team. This is not going to be played in Peoria. That's kind of an issue for them. I think that could be... Uh, somewhat of a problem. I think Belmont's the team with the intriguing draw here. Uh, they're sitting at the four seed. They've already beaten Bradley uh, twice this year. Swept, swept them. So they, they've got that edge over the one seed. Uh, they beat Indiana State, I believe, once. Uh, I can't find yeah, it. Yeah, they only played once. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, the league being bigger means there's not the double round robin. But so, yeah, they've like kind of controlled their half of the bracket. And you can make the argument that, hey, a young team getting better at this stage of the season with Gillespie and Tyson. I think Belmont's at least intriguing in terms of value given their draw, Kai. I think they're the best value. Um, I, I think it's funny to see Indiana State as shorter odds to them. I know their first game's Evansville, so it's basically whatever you're going to win. Uh, but yeah, Belmont beat Indiana State this year. I understand the Kim Palm ranks. Indiana State outranks Belmont. Um, but yeah, I agree. If they were in Drake's side of the bracket, I wouldn't take Belmont. Drake handled them easily in the two games they played. And maybe that's also a reason to stay away from Belmont. 
Can they ultimately beat Drake? Who knows? Southern Illinois split with Drake during the season. And that's kind of a murderer's row of a, of a side of the bracket, in my opinion. You have Drake, Murray State, who's not a pushover. Missouri State, who's pretty good. And SIU, all in the same kind of pod. It's kind of a murderer's row there. I'd probably look at Bradley at 2-1, to one, or I'd look at Belmont at 8-1. to one. Man, this is tough. Uh, as every Arch Madness is, I yeah, I don't I like Indiana State the most, but it's just such a bummer they fell to that uh, that number five slot. So they're going to have to win four games in in four days here. It's just a tough, tall ask, especially against the rugged Valley competition they'll face. I'm taking Drake. Um, I'm just looking at the field here, looking at Bradley, who they have to play the first two rounds, and who Drake would have to maybe line up with. I just like the path better for Drake. In my opinion, um, I know Valpo is playing better and could be dangerous as that, you know, that 10 seat sleeper with the talent they have, but I don't trust Murray State away from home. I think Drake gets by the winner of that game. Um, and I think they're better than whoever they see at the bottom, which would be Southern Illinois, uh, Missouri State or UIC. Let's be honest, it probably won't be UIC. So I just think this Drake is a, is a team of destiny. Um, a bunch of super duper seniors that came back, ran it back a couple of years in a row. Haven't quite, in, uh, haven't quite got that glory that they deserve. So who knows? Bradley has been a darling in this tournament before. I think they've won it um, how many? I think two or three times in the last seven years. Um, so I think maybe that yeah. tournament success plays plays well. Brian Wardle obviously knows what he's doing with the clipboard. Um, value hey, futures, Kai. What do you think? Missouri State swept uh, swept Drake this year. They did. I know that was weird. Maybe the def- defensive they, physicality plays it well. Yeah, they are. It, yeah, they it are. really is. But. SIU swept Missouri State. There's a lot of uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of matchup paper scissors, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Matt, I think we we should mention, along with some of the future stuff, the Missouri Valley unders. It is a huge, huge darling bet for a lot of people, dating back to 2005, 2006. So in, in the Bet Labs database, unders in this event, 103 and 57. 64.4%. Pretty good. Now that is heavily weighted towards like the 2005 to 2012 stretch is really strong from about 16 till now. It's, it's far less. It's probably about 53%. I'd have to refilter this, but it does feel like uh, the market is caught on a little bit and there's not such an auto bet value on just hammering the under. So I'd be a little cautious that a lot of the profitability in those numbers are from old, old seasons. Yeah, that's a great, I think it's the uh, last year didn't overs, uh, outpace unders. So I, the mark, I've actually looked at the Not breakdown of last year was six and two unders went okay. six and two. That was actually kind of a resurgence for them a little bit. Um, yeah, I would tread lightly tracking or trying to chase the, uh, those trends. Cause you're right, Jim, I think it's important to look at the last couple of years, especially when the market is adjusted. Like even odds makers are digging in more this time of season. They're not just copy pasting Ken Palm or Bart Torvik. They're making their own adjustments. And I think people who know what they're doing are playing some of these technical trends pretty early. Um, so now if you're waking up at 10 a.m. on a Thursday, like, oh, I guess I'll bet the Valley Unders. You may, I, I checked the number. Chance starts probably been bet down already and, and to the point where it's not really worth the bet. But no, very astute points so, on the total angle. Since, um, since 05, 06, there's what, that's 17 tournaments because they actually did play the 2020 tournament before COVID. Right. Only two have finished under 500 for unders, only right. two of the events. But there's been four of them that were exactly 500 um, so pretty much every year you're, you know, you're fighting a decent proposition. There has not been a single year where uh, the unders got shelled. So if you really want to get in on it, um, I think if you get decent numbers early, it's worth maybe looking at. Yeah. I wonder just the fact that they have this kind of front loaded in the tournament schedule season that the you know wear and tear of a daunting conference schedule, you kind of turn it over pretty quickly. 
especially if you're playing three games in three days or four and four days if you're trying to make a deep run that's going to wear on your legs no doubt favorite future bet i'm still trying to decide kai do you have your horse yet picked or are you staying away here you don't see any good value no i said i liked belmont if i if i had to choose had a future, to or, or bradley okay. yeah one, one of those teams um yeah in general futures for conference tournaments they're kind of a fool's gold type of bet, I think, in my opinion. Tricky. There's there's really high holes. You got to really like one. I agree. Book. It's kind of yeah. tough. So I'd probably look to just get into a pool with with some awesome people like Stucky, for instance, um, yep. or just play Moneyline rollover game. Yeah. Yeah. I think Belmont's the the decent value. But like if you're saying I have to pick a team to win, like I, I think Drake's going to win. I just don't think there's value at plus 155 or whatever. Yep. All neutral site conference tournaments does no favors to the favorites. Let's head out west for our final tournament on today's preview special West Coast Conference. The Zags and the Gales are on a collision course. Love how the odds makers have basically pinned these at minus 105, minus 115. Slight favorite toward or slight edge toward the Gales. Um, but effectively, the market has these two at a coin flip. Uh, how about Santa Clara, the uh, the third highest favorite at 50 to 1? Santa Clara, BYU 50 to 1. Everyone else is 100 to 1 or higher. So we can pretty much have this entire discussion hovered around the Gonzaga versus St. Mary's in terms of the future value, who you're looking to take there, uh, but some potential first round matchups that have some intrigue as well. Let's start with just the macro future market, Kai. Gales, Zags in a vacuum, who you taking? Basically a coin flip here with the odds. Yeah, it's basically a it's a regular bet, right? Minus 105, minus 115. I've seen minus 110s on both sides. I'm taking I Gonzaga. There's a, there's one book that has Gonzaga minus 130, St. Mary's uh, plus 115. So yeah. Ooh, make sure you shop, shop and get that better shop, price. Shop, shop. Yep. Uh, I'm taking Gonzaga, and and this bracket is like the ultimate fu to the lower seeds. Uh, Portland, San Diego, Pacific Pepperdine have to win five games in five days. That's absolutely crazy. And then it steps down from there. It um, is it is five and six at least because they have they take Sunday off. Five and BYU. six. That's You're the right. one caveat. But still, five and six games still still quite a bit. Uh, yeah, the odds are stacked against them, and St. Mary's and Gonzaga get to chill till Monday, win two two in a row, and they've dominated the league all year. So I'm taking Gonzaga. They also don't have to play LMU, and LMU is the only team that's beaten both St. Mary's and Gonzaga. So give me the Zags. Yeah, I'm with Kai. I think Gonzaga wins this tournament. If you can find this minus 105 on Gonzaga, I'm I'm into that. They were just they closed what minus five and a half, almost minus six at home in Spokane. Mm-hmm. That tells you that if they played on a neutral, it's probably going to be Gonzaga favored by, you know, two or so. And if you're getting minus two, but you're really getting minus 105 in the futures market, that's pretty solid. I'm not super stressed about either team's draw in the semifinals. BYU has been a little bit spunky, spicy against these two teams. They should have beaten St. Mary's in Provo, and they gave Gonzaga two decent games as well. Um, Santa Clara has also been a little bit feisty, but Gonzaga's biggest troubles were on the road, except when they played LMU. And they're not going to play LMU uh, because I don't think LMU beat St. Mary's. So circling that all back, Gonzaga minus 105 to minus 110, I think has like legitimate value from a price perspective. Like I, I think it'll be s- steeper than that in the, in the title game. So the Zags for me, Matthew. I agree. My one concern though, I'm generally in the camp of I'm not worried about the semifinal draws, but Gonzaga was down like 15 to Santa Clara, I believe, at Clara in the first meeting between these two. Um, they came back and won late. I mean, the Zags usually take care of business when they need to. The LM, That's why the LMU loss was so shocking, just to see them against the wall on the ropes, and they actually couldn't close it. 
Um, and Herb Sendak's a great game planner, great, you know, schemer. So I, I don't think it's an automatic uh, foregone conclusion that they advance, but a fairly, fairly likely. Um, and to the point where I think it's not even fully priced into the odds. If you can get Gonzaga closer like that minus 110, uh, whatever book you mentioned, Jim, that has minus 130, I think it's a sharper shade of the number, especially given that I think Gonzaga is just a slightly, uh, I don't know, higher power rated team than St. Mary's and the LMU threat is probably greater than Santa Clara. Um, but anyway, just going to keep bringing up these since February 1st filters on Bart Tarva, because I think it gives a decent idea of who's playing better at this stage of the year. So since February 1st, St. Mary's 27th per Bart, Gonzaga third. Like Gonzaga is playing like that elite team. Kai, I think you've been maybe the most stringently loyal to that Gonzaga is elite narrative, and they're starting to really show that of late. Yeah, I'm a Zags boy, Matthew. Never Fun lost little thing. Fun little uh, wrinkle. I will be betting on Chicago State, who is not in this conference. They will be playing Gonzaga on Wednesday, um, a game they don't, don't know why Gonzaga is scheduled, but Gonzaga basically has a little exhibition tune-up here before they go in the WCC tournament. Chicago State has not played since February 19th. They've been off for three three weeks looking at film, tape, <laughs> trying to break down the Gonzaga transition attack. So uh, look to take the Bobcats on their final West Coast tour of the independent, yet very successful against the spread season for the Bobcats. They've been there uh, for a couple of days too already. They already got there and got settled. Yeah, Good. they're there. They're practicing on their home, their uh, Gonzaga's floor already. Yeah, Love to see it. First round matchups: Jim, Portland, San Diego, Pacific, Pepperdine. The only two we actually know for certain. Um, with a couple, you know, that next round: BYU versus the winner of the Portland San Diego matchup, San Francisco versus the winner of Pacific Pepperdine. Um, I'm probably going to bet the Waves. I feel like. Lorenzo Romar is actually pretty good in the tournament just because he's so bad in the regular season that he actually has value in the conference tournament with all the talent he has. Am I off my rocker? No, you're not crazy. I don't have a strong opinion on that one. I will be betting Portland. I think they smashed yeah, San Diego, that's, that's who has good. been really shorthanded, uh, horrific defensively. And you could oh, make the case that this talented team finally shows up in the postseason, but their two Pac-12 transfers, Eric Williams and Jade Dallaire, have not been playing. They've been hurt. And Portland, I think, is still a little bit undervalued because of how they played uh, in the stretch where they were injured. So in, in the postseason, I, I go back to last year, Portland had a first-round game where they beat San Diego by 18, and then they got crushed by Santa Clara. I, I think something similar happens this year. I'll take the Pilots. If it's anywhere like minus four, it's two on Ken Palm, but I bet it's minus four uh, in actual betting. I still take Portland. Yeah, I, I like I Portland would, as well. Yeah, They've lost four in a row, man. I wonder if Portland just finally kind of hit a wall and, and wave the white flag. Funny that they're actually better than last year's teammate, Ken Palm, but they are perceived to be a lot worse this year just because of the record. Um, I think it just goes to show how the schedule uh, was very fortuitous for the Pilots last year. Now they actually had to play all the big boys this season uh, as, as on top of the injury thing Jim mentioned. It really caught up to them. Uh, final bets for me, as I mentioned, I think I'm going to target the Zags. If you can get close to minus 110 or a coin flip, Kai, rehash what you're looking in the WCC here. Yep, uh, Zags would be my 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 bet. I mean, shoot, they're offering a thousand to one on Pacific and San Diego. If if you just want to burn a dollar and bet a, a dollar to win a thousand bucks, sure. <laughs> but it's not going to happen. But hey, crazy things have happened. LMU LMU hundred to one for a team that's already beaten San Marys. No, I'm not doing it either. Jim, it's weird that LMU has beaten. Well, I guess they got the four seed. I was going to, I've heard it's BYU being the five is the surprising part. Like yeah. a team we sort of perceive as the third best team in the league. They've got to win multiple games. I could buy it a little with LMU. 
I don't. I think what they did down the stretch to St. Mary's is kind of repeatable. They just put them in ball screens, and they've got a, a dynamic scorer. Um, and Shelton tore them up in that game. It was really kind of surprising because St. Mary's would not help off of three point shooters. So, I, yeah, I could see a little bit of a, a sprinkle being worthwhile on LMU. The game two, the Gonzaga game, just frightens me. If, yeah. if they end up being in the finals, Sags beating by forty three. It's kind of like oh. All right, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, look, I'm betting Gonzaga here minus yeah. one ten or whatever, and I think that's the right wager. Yeah, I'll say this: this is maybe the most interesting tournament in terms of just you know aesthetically pleasing. Every game I think has some intrigue for uh, one reason or another. A lot of good players, stars, coaches, programs. Just the league is definitely continuing its uprise uh, of relevance up the national spectrum. Final thoughts, gentlemen, before we sign off here. I think that concludes our coverage. Uh, locks and winners only were provided. Kai takeaways. Shop around, nice wisdom. Shop yeah, around. Shop. Prices, prices vary. You can create, you know, a sort of an artificial lower hold by by shopping around and getting some good numbers on these teams. If you're really into betting futures in the conference tournaments, and then I would play as many pools as possible because it's fun, it's exciting. I love it. Favorite time. One of thing, yeah. One thing I like doing, if your book allows it, not every one of them does, but sometimes if you really like a couple of favorites, parlaying them together, I actually kind of like that in futures more than I like it in individual games because I think it really cuts into the juice for that. So like. I have already parlayed Colgate and Liberty to win mm. the Patriot and the uh, the A Sun. So if you're you know you're looking at you really like Merrimack and Drake or something, you want to put them together. I'm not recommending that, but I, I do think some of the parlays can be fun with futures. Yeah, just kind of how we did in the preseason, right? You, you, know, you bet a couple of horses, you bet the favorite if you like Iona in the MAC, but then maybe you take a long shot on a flyer that you think is good as sort of a hedge. I think that approach definitely um, has merit here in this same setting or in this tournament setting. Well, gentlemen, happy March. The madness is here. And thank you for stopping by on another episode of The Big Bets on Campus presented by BetMGM. We are The Weave and we are out. Take care. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.